0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our interview with the executive music producers and composers Alex Lockmore, Bill Sherman, and music supervisor Steve Gizicky for *In the Heights*.
1: Washington Heights up at the break of day. I wake going, up and bro? I got this little punk I gotta chase away. Pop the break at the crack of dawn. Sing while I wipe down the awning. Hey y'all, uh, good morning. Ice cold, piragua, palcha, china, cherry, strawberry, and just for today, I got my mate.
2: Oye, piragüero, como
3: Well, thanks all of you for joining me to talk about In the Heights. Really excited to talk about the movie. Uh, since this is going to be an audio podcast, before we kind of dive in, I would love it if each of you could introduce yourselves, your role on In the Heights, and, and kind of explain what you did in the film. Um, Alex, why don't we start with you?
1: Uh, my name is Alex Lockamore. I'm one of the executive music producers of In the Heights, the movie.
4: I'm Bill Sherman. I'm the other executive music producer of In the Heights the Movie, and executive music producing, since you asked, is a very umbrella-like term, meaning controlling all the things music, from mixing and composing and orchestrating and arranging and, uh, you, know, mixed, uh, you know, getting all of the music together and approving all of it and stuff like that. Is that kind of what you were asking to sort of define it?
3: Yeah, that's great. Creatively, done. I mean,
4: come- Absolutely. creatively oh yeah when it comes to important things that's yeah, what steve I'm, I'm the paper pusher. Uh, this <laughs> is uh, Steve steve music supervisor of in the
5: heights i supervised the music of in the heights um which is essentially just sort of head of department and overseeing the nuts and bolts of uh operations and making sure that uh the creative remains in check and aligned with whatever john and uh lynn are looking for and keeping the train on the tracks until we pull into the station, which in this case, the station kept getting pushed further and further away.
1: <laughs> right, right, yeah. And yeah. The, the piggyback on, on Bill's thing in terms of like the music, uh, as executive music producers, Bill and I like, we oversaw every vocal that was recorded for the movie, whether it was before filming or after filming, we oversaw every piece of score that went into the movie, sometimes composing some of it ourselves, uh, uh, interfacing with Mammo Miranda, the composer, interfacing with John Chu, the director. Uh, Uh, recording the band, mixing the band, approving the mix, not only on our headphones, but approving the mix on the soundstage and making sure the levels are right with the sound effects and the dialogue and all that stuff. So just basically, as as Bill said, all things music uh, from the creative perspective were were things that we had to uh, to supervise. And then Steve made it all happen logistically.
3: And and like you said, uh, obviously the film got pushed over a year around a year. When did you actually lock the mix? Like, did you lock it last year, or were you still working on it this year?
1: We locked it. We locked it during the pandemic.
3: Okay, Uh, we
1: were recording score materials, recording the uh, live instruments. Uh, I think the date was March 13th. Uh, Broadway had just shut down. uh, Sorry, March 13th, 2020, and Broadway had just shut down about three days prior. And um, things were starting to to just kind of like slowly disappear on the streets of New York and people were starting to leave the city. And it was a very scary time at the beginning of the pandemic. But, uh, you know, we were expected to deliver the mix in the middle of uh, probably the top of April and finishing, putting the finishing touches on mid-april end of april and then uh, with the pandemic we put a pause and then we found a way to actually continue working through the summer and we actually locked the mix i would say what august september of 2020 guys is that right
4: Sounds yeah. right. although what a, what a, mid-september september 60th, what is something. time what is
5: what is what, what is time yeah. <laughs> right and we were really fortunate the the world shut down as we wrapped our last scoring session yeah wow and we made so it. you got it all recorded it.
3: Prior yeah. to shutting down, yeah. and
5: you
1: just- Except for a couple of things, funny enough, like most of my piano parts were recorded here in my home studio on my keyboard. <laughs> uh, some of the vocals, uh, there's actually a funny story where one of the vocal overdubs happened. Uh, uh, Melissa Barrera, who plays Vanessa, she patched a, a piece of blackout from Mexico inside her closet while yeah. we were listening in remotely, recording and giving feedback. Wow, wow, <laughs> that's a lot. It's a lot.
3: Well, uh, congrats on it finally coming out. We're we're talking uh, a few days after opening weekend, so congrats on on all of that. For for Alex and Bill, especially, uh, you guys are returning to In the Heights. You were obviously involved in the the Broadway, the the stage version of it, and you're returning after more than a decade. So, uh, well, as you began to kind of the the process of ad- adapting this, did the music strike you differently after all this time,
1: Mister Sherman?
4: Um, yeah, I think when we you know. Like you said, we've been we've been working on this for 20 years or something, you know, something crazy like that. And uh, um, uh, I think given the opportunity to do it again it was really exciting for us. You know, particularly how far we've come as musicians and people, and how much we've developed, what our sounds are, and what things we like to listen to, and more music that we've heard. So when we got the opportunity to do this, Alex and I would always say to each other, like, "What's the 2.0 version of this? If if Off Broadway was beta and." and Broadway was 1.0. This was our 2.0 version. Like, what did it mean? Did it mean, you know, you know, louder, stronger, faster, whatever, whatever that meant to us. And it was an opportunity to really open up the the bag again and revisit things. And I think, you know, it's very rare that you get to revisit a piece of art that many times in this many genres and and get to improve on it as, as much as we possibly can. And it was a really fun thing. We also got to bring in people that we've worked with over time who are, you know, Like we brought in Sergio George, who's the salsa guy. We brought in Mike Elizondo, who's the hip hop guy. We brought in Greg Wells, who's, you know, he's the guy who produced The Greatest Showman. He's also this unbelievable mixer. And he was sort of another part of our team that just, you know, developed our stuff even more and more. And uh, uh, yeah, and I, I, you know, I finally, I don't know, like we've never talked about this, but I finally feel like we can lay it to rest. Like we've done all of this thing. Like there's literally no other version of this that can happen, I think, right?
1: I never They're, thought about
4: that. Well, go, go. The Broadway revival was planned for this past summer. Maybe.
5: Right? And got kicked down the road. So that's coming up your, that's
4: coming your way. Okay. But still, it's like, that's still a stage version. I feel like we've already done that. This is like the movie. This is the thing, you know, like, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I, I feel like there it is. And we can sort of watch it and people can love it. And that's great. And that, I'm happy.
1: Yeah. I, I think what, what you're saying, but which I agree with is that, You know, uh, making a movie, I lately have found, uh, or rather making music for a movie is akin to making a record. Mm right, where you really get a chance to like hone something and, and finesse and perfect and really like get something just so, whereas a theatrical experience, it, you know, it's built to be replicated night after night after night in a live experience so it's naturally going to change over time it will naturally evolve, it will naturally ebb and flow as with each performance, but this is our chance to really like, you know, make heights catered to a different medium that's not uh, about the stage I thought that was really exciting and, and uh, you know, Bill and I were able to put our record making chops that we've honed over the last 13 years into this because really the first record I ever uh, got credited on as producer and I build the same is the cast album for this show so that was the first time I think we were ever empowered to make decisions like that or be looked at to to kind of give input and feedback so it really began with this show and here we are coming full circle I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that.
3: Were you nervous to sign on for the adaptation? I mean, now now we know it, it was phenomenal. It turned out incredibly well. Not all stage adaptations do. Was there was there you know were there nerves heading into that?
4: I, I think uh, oh, Bill. Go ahead. I mean, not not for me. Uh, I, I think like we we always I think in the back of our heads we always knew that this was going to happen, and so I, I think we we very much followed the lead of John Chu, particularly on this one. I, he it was it was very important for him that everything felt real. You know, I think. With musicals on stage, you're like talking and talking and then all of a sudden you can't talk anymore so you sing. And so with musicals that are movies, it's sort of the same thing, but like how can you make it as seamless as possible and feel like it's just another part of the conversation as opposed to like uh, pre-recorded music, you know the people are singing, you know it's fake, you know they're lip syncing. Whereas within the Heights, it all feels very realistic. And that was very important to John Chu as we were making the film. We would always go back to like, Stuff that was in fact recorded on set versus you know just stuff that looked better versus ADR stuff versus blah 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 and uh, and really you know put all of those things together to make that as seamless as possible and that to me other than like blowing out the music side of it was always is the most important was the most fun part of this is to really make it look like it's just a real thing and apparently I don't know if you know this but in Washington Heights people just launch into song at any given moment you know you never know it can happen at any given moment very true to reality
3: yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you, you started to talk about this earlier, um, I'd love to know for all of you, what what was the driving force behind your approach to the music this time around? Was it making it bigger, more authentic? You know, how, how did you want it to sound different from the stage version?
5: Great question.
1: Uh, Steve, do you have any thoughts on this guy? Yeah,
5: um, we had a bigger toolkit here because on, a, uh, on the stage you're limited. you're limited to your pit orchestra, right? So we could look to this large group of Latin players. We could do a 70 piece orchestra to um, record strings and really make things sort. I mean, John shoes mantra was make it cinematic. This is a movie, right? Um, so everything needed to be bigger. And we went to, as uh, Bill was talking about earlier, Mike Elizondo to help us with the hip hop stuff. We went to Sergio George to help us with um, the awesome salsa material. Um, we wanted to just take it and, ma- and make it for the screen, not for the stage. That was the, the the key challenge as well, right? Like what like what is that stage version? You said what is what is the twenty twenty-one version of it, but also what is the film version?
0: With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.
3: Yeah, and that that was another question I was was curious about. You know, uh, the stage version took place in present day, you know, 2008-ish. And now this one's taking place present day twenty twenty ish, and so how did how did the music itself change to reflect that, or did it?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I feel like the compositions were the, the song the, the, remained the same. Like the songs were the songs. There were times that Lin updated lyrics to uh, um, go with some story points that changed a little bit, um, but I think really um, it, it's mostly in the production of it. I, I think. I will say this there's something about this music and Lynn's music that I I feel has a timelessness to it and you know I, I feel like there's probably going to be a lot of people who are going to think that this score and this show came out after Hamilton when in reality it was all written uh you know years prior um but I think that's because like the songs are just strong and while the orchestration for a song like When You're Home back in 2008 was the best that Bill and I could do at that time. Here we are in 2021, you know, where we got an opportunity to reopen that song and look at it in a, in a different way through a different lens. So I feel like that's a song that kind of got a, a facelift in a way that it got updated and it felt more current and um, it feels contemporary but doesn't go so far into a certain contemporary lane that is going to date itself. And I feel like that's not anything that we were necessarily conscious of. Like Bill, I don't think that at any point we were thinking to ourselves, oh, we can't do that because it's going to sound too like now and and, and flavor of the month it, we were kind of just doing what the songs demanded and we were listening to the songs themselves and what the songs were telling us to do and by and large like it all just felt right it all felt natural and it seemed to be in line with what john chu was picturing and, and in line with what lin-manuel had written and heard so uh, we were always serving the songs but uh, at the same time um you know the songs are, 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 have stood the test of time in that way which i think is great
5: and I think too, maybe you know, if I'm a speaking guys, please tell me. But I feel like maybe collectively we all didn't know what was what is the 20, ver- 20 version of this music, because there were a few songs that we re- recorded, thinking they were final, ended up living with them for a little while and scrapped them. Yeah, like we we lived with one version of the club for a significant period of time, and then at a certain point, Alex is like, "Yeah, this just isn't like cutting it," so we we started from scratch, and. Um, because it was just experimentation.
3: Are, are you able to kind of dive into that just a little bit further? Ha, um, what were the things that kind of made you feel like, yeah, this, this just isn't, isn't sitting right?
1: I think what happened is uh, uh, for the pre-records, we uh, were able to get a lot of the stuff tracked. And uh, once we heard it and saw it against the picture, my sense for the club number is uh, what we had. Sonically, the energy didn't match the energy that I was seeing visually and the the club was so colorful and so dynamic and there was so much movement and it felt like you wanted there to be heat and electricity and real like, uh, kind of improvisatory feel, it just needed to feel like dynamite. And while I thought the tracks we had were, were, were strong and, and, and good, it just didn't feel live. It didn't feel like it just went over that edge, as Bill said, to, like, to be stronger and and brasher and louder and fuller and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I think it, it was a, a result of seeing the visual once it was edited. I mean like, oh man, we are not meeting that level. Like John set a, a bar and we had to meet that bar every step of the way. That's awesome.
3: Well, you definitely talked about, um, you know, how John was directing, making more cinematic. How involved was Lin-Manuel in, in producing the, the music
4: uh, this time around? Very, he was there all the time. He was there for the, the vocals and he was there for some of the recording sessions. I think the interesting thing about Alex and <laughs> I and Steve, our relationship with Lin is, first of all, I went to high, uh, college with Lin. We've known each other forever. And uh, I think that uh, given how long we've been working together with each other, uh, there's like an implicit trust over like what, you know, what he hears is 99% of the time what we hear, and we're able to execute it pretty well at this point. I feel like there's been a number of examples over the past 20 years that sort of reflect that, and so, so uh, he definitely like would have some notes at times where we would send him mixes of things, and he'd be like, well. What about this? Or, I mean, with Lynn, it's always like, I can't hear the vocal or I can't hear the lyric. That's his thing. Cause he's like the lyric guy. But like, he gave us, he gives us a lot of leeway to do our things. And, you know, and, uh, and he trusts us. And I think that that's a kind of thing that's earned over time and earned over, just like uh, uh, agreeing and that the best idea in the room is not always his, or it's not always ours. There's always like an agreement between all of us that like, this is the thing. And um, that's been like sort of our vibe forever. Right, Lack? I mean, like, I don't know how better to better words to describe that, something like that, right? You said it beautifully. Thank you.
5: And as the, as the new kid here, <laughs> one with what I found so interesting about Lynn's involvement during the pre records as we were recording the vocals with our cast. So it was us here, uh, plus John and Lynn in a studio with our amazing engineer, Derek Lee, uh, working through the songs. And we would pause. Because somebody would say, Oh, what? You know, the actor would be, would say, Like, well, can you uh, explain this lyric? Please tell the story. And behind every lyric, there's a story, right? So Lynn would tell a story, maybe how he wrote the lyric, or what, it, or maybe there's an embedded joke that the, us newcomers weren't aware of that Bill and Alex are because they've lived with it for 20 years. But his insight as we just tiptoed through these songs, you know, measure by measure, was just invaluable. And I think having him in that room, uh, really brought out the most amazing performance in our actors because they were able to kind of peel back the layers of these songs and really get to the core of the meaning of every single word.
3: Uh, I'd love to know from each of you, what's your favorite musical moment in in the film? The film specifically, not just the show.
1: Oh, wow, that's a tough Uh, one. Um, I think I have a a soft spot in my heart for Paciencia y Fe because of, um, I mean, uh, well, first of all, uh, uh, as a Cuban-American, that song, like, Talks about the, the immigrant experience, particularly from Cuba, and it mirrors my, you know, th- th- there's elements of my family in there. Um, and I just love, it, it's such a fantastical sequence that it goes through time, uh, through Abuela Claudia's life in a really beautiful way. It's gorgeous. I, I think that number, it's just really, really fantastic. And it, it's a, a number I think really got elevated in in the film. So I, I think that's probably my, my favorite.
4: I think my favorite's probably 96,000, just because that to me always sort of was the first time like hip-hop really landed in in musicals and then hip-hop it, it, and then the way that it's shot it's john shot it visually is just super stunning and how it builds and how you know there's a thousand people in a pool in Highbridge park and it's 60 degrees outside and they're all in a pool and it's amazing and like holy cow um and i just have lots of memories of, of you know, making that song and figuring out an ending and all of that stuff. And I think that we finally got to like the greatest possible version of it. And I'm super proud of that moment for sure.
5: For me, it's Carnival do Barrio. Nice. All different. Um,
4: that's awesome.
5: Different. And I, we didn't plan this in 11. Minutes, or did we? <laughs> uh, you know, as again, as the newcomer, like this is a community that's new to me. And everything, every day was a learning experience. And this song is, is about. community in the neighborhood and so it just all these emotions and all uh, were really resonated to me and with me and we had one day to shoot it so as the guy who's responsible for the nuts and bolts of the music i you know are you kidding me um and we were able to pull it off in one day and it was this this it, it was just a day that i'll never forget because it was such incredible teamwork and camaraderie and emotion and happy tears and, um, I, you know, at the end of the day, as we, John wrapped, you know, everyone was just cheering and screaming Lynn's name and jumping up and down. Um, and, you know, we didn't cut, we just kept going. Um, and it's just, it was so powerful, I'll never forget it.
3: Uh, well, thanks so much uh, for your work on the movie. Before I let you go, um... You know, I, I've got two-year-olds at home, so uh, I especially want to thank uh, Bill and Alex for your work on Sesame Street uh, all, all these years. And uh, I'd love to know, there's been talk about a Sesame Street movie with like Bo Burnham writing some music. Do you guys know anything about this project? Are you involved? Uh, uh,
4: I, I, we are not involved, uh, I don't think. Uh, we do. I do know about it for sure. Um, and I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, I don't know when it's happening or anything, but uh, thank you to have... For two-year-olds my kids are eight and ten and they don't think i'm cool at all so i'm glad that somebody <laughs> thinks i'm cool and that's, uh, that's your kid.
3: yes 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 definitely
4: we think you're cool too though awesome. thanks steve but it's just not the same man i appreciate you
3: <laughs> awesome well again guys thank you so much for your work i love the film my favorite movie of the year it's so good
1: uh so thanks thank a lot. you daniel thank you so much thanks for having us
0: Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the executive music producers and composers Alex Lackmore, Bill Sherman, and music supervisor Steve Gazicki for In the Heights here on the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. And if you like what you are listening to, please head on over to Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support which you can also lend on over at patreon for one dollar minimum a month you will get some exclusive podcast content from us in the heights is currently playing in theaters and streaming on hbo max thank you so much for listening as always and we shall see you all next time